athletes and friends, welcome to the Woven Athlete Podcast. I am your host, Nick, and this is my co-host. What's up, everyone? It's Stevie. And we are here to champion the athlete's mental game before, during, and after their athletic careers and performances. So let's jump in. So glad you guys are joining us today in episode two of our series called I Think I Can or I Can't managing healthy and unhealthy expectations as an athlete. Today, we are moving to the specialists. We want to focus on psychology, nutrition, and physical therapy. And so today, you get to hear from the professional specialists in psychology and therapy. Stevie, who are we bringing in today? Yeah, today we brought in Katie Wilson. Katie, I've known Katie for the last year, and I've heard her talk a lot about what it means to have mental health needs and how to take care of it. Mm. And so I thought it'd be really cool to bring her in. And man, we had a really good conversation. Now, Katie is a counselor here, a therapist here in Southern California. She works for a nonprofit that helps um, human trafficking survivors. Today, just be prepared. You get to hear a lot about expectations and how we handle them as an athlete. You get to hear about that inner critic voice and how to have self-compassion when it comes to that. And just voices in general, internally and externally, how to surround yourself with the right voices. So I'm really excited to hear from the specialist, Katie. Let's jump in. Katie Wilson, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. Thanks. It's so good to see you guys. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is my first time. I know you guys have known each other for a while, so it's super, I'm super glad to get to meet you finally. And uh, Stevie's been telling me so much great stuff about just um, what you do. And so um, I'm really excited to hear what you're involved with. Uh, Would you mind just sharing a little bit about what you do uh, as a living yourself? Of course. Yeah. So Katie Wilson, as Stevie mentioned, um, I'm an associate professional clinical counselor getting super close to my full licensure here in the next couple months. So that's exciting. Good news. Um, Yeah. So essentially my, my job right now and kind of my niche in therapy is I am a trauma recovery specialist. So I work right now for a nonprofit called North County Lifeline with their program called Project Life, which is for survivors of human trafficking. So I do trauma therapy um, with survivors of all different kinds of trauma. Um, And then I recently, so excited to kind of announce this too. I recently took a part-time position with a group private practice here in San Diego called Grow Good Psychology. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing, I'm dabbling and like, working in the world of private practice therapy as well now um, and taking new clients and exploring what that could look like um, specifically with trauma recovery still, but also like women's issues um, and the, a lot of things like depression, anxiety, self-image and all kinds of, yeah. Wow. What an awesome, awesome pathway you've got going on there. Um, I'm sure you've, you've gotten all kinds of different backgrounds and stories and mm-hmm. yeah I mean mm-hmm. us being pastors for 10 years like just just hearing yeah. about this kind of stuff is yeah it's always encouraging because it's what you do is so important it's so huge and the niche that you're specifically in yeah. it's it's like just it's awesome to hear that you're doing that so kudos to you yeah, kudos yeah. To, to <laughs> the, I appreciate that going on there yeah 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 I've 
been ever since, I mean, like Nick said, we've known each other for about a year now coming yeah, up on it, at least. Kid. Yeah. Um, and ever since we started even just processing, um, the creation of woven athlete, I was just thinking, ah, but I want Katie, I want yeah. Katie to be a part <laughs> of it in some way. I want mm-hmm. her to come talk. I want her on the podcast. So we're really excited. You're technically our very first uh, therapist. I don't know if I can call you. <laughs> yeah, you can. Like, you can. Yeah. Um, yeah. We totally. do, we have interviewed another um, behavioral specialist who we're really excited awesome. to air his um, episode in the coming weeks, but you're our first um, therapist, which is really whoop, whoop. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I've been wanting you on because I think I've heard you talk before several mm-hmm. times about um just the stigma, wanting to take the stigma away from mental health. And in addition to that, you are, you're also an an athlete. You played sports your whole life, right? You played in college. And so you, you're not only in this mental health world, but you're also, you understand the athletic world from a personal standpoint. So, and you guys, she did mention, because a lot of runners are listening to this. uh, She did mention (laughs) that she is running a half marathon and she plans to run another marathon so yeah yeah watch we're out going for it watch so we gotta out. get through this so you can get 2022 it's my year <laughs> yeah I have eight miles to run tomorrow so we'll see how that goes Ooh. so you know <laughs> yes yeah I know Stevie it's been really fun to share like just and with you in different spaces you know even at like through my church and then through our small group on Wednesdays, just bridging that gap between mental health and like the spiritual community. And then I think it's even more important, even so in the athletic world, you know, to Mm -hmm. kind of decrease the stigma around mental health and um, what that looks like. And yeah, I think one of my favorite ways, like even to get into it and like, what is mental health? um, base in a basic nutshell, right? Like mental health incorporates just like how we think, how we feel and how we act. That's like the most basic definition we can get down to, you know, but I think really like taking care of our mental health is like taking a look at like the whole picture of who we are, the holistic view, right. Our emotional well-being, our psychological well-being, our physical well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, so mental health includes all of that. And one of my favorite, this is like my favorite way <laughs> to explain mental health to people. We all have physical needs, right? Especially as athletes. I mean, yes. coming into this, like your body, you have to take care of it a certain way, right? Or it's not going to perform um, or it's not going to stay healthy. And so mm-hmm. similarly, we all have, we all have a brain, right? Like yes. you've got a brain, you've got a brain, I've got a brain. <laughs> Um, everyone listening to this has a a beautiful brain and it's like that, that brain has needs. Like we have mental health needs, Mm -hmm. um, not mental health issues. Like, I think it's really important to say like you and everybody, anybody with a body and a mind has mental health needs. Um, and like, that's, what's so cool. It's like, it's, it's not, I think when it turns into maybe a mental health disorder, or a mental health issue is when we don't take care of it. Like when we don't tend to it, when we don't um, pay attention, when we don't, yeah, when we don't tend to it, when we don't take care of it. So it's like, all of us have mental health needs. There's not one, it's not like, oh, those people struggle with mental health. It's like, no, we all have mental health needs. And when it becomes a mental health issue or disorder is when we're not 
taking care of that. Um, yeah. Tending to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think similarly, it's like, as an athlete, if you don't take care of your body, you're going to get sick or you're going to get an injury. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you don't take care of your mind, if you don't oh gosh. pay attention yeah. to it, you know, yeah. then you're, it's going to get sick. It's yeah. going to, yeah. it's going to turn into some sort of maybe disorder or struggle, um, or issue for you, you know, if that's yeah. not something. Well, and I know you're taking the I know the athletes listening you know or anyone listening like you don't like for me yesterday I had a training and I came home with my plantar fasciitis and my heel Mm -hmm. was going wild and so I knew that I had to spend time in the pain of Mm -hmm. you know rolling it out taking a theragun and getting at it and it hurt but all day today Mm. I've been pain-free yeah, um, so good but it's like it's the same thing like if you don't take care of those mental needs it's, it's same thing. It, yeah, it, it going exactly. To, it'll stick around and it'll linger. And it's like, how mm-hmm. much can you bear of that pain without taking care of it? Because mm-hmm, I yeah. noticed that I was actually letting a little bit of that plantar fascia pain stick with me, mm-hmm. but because totally. I took time to focus on it and like actually roll it out. I was like, today I've been like reaping the benefit of just taking that yeah. time to focus on it. And I, yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it on the head too. Like that need is something that we can't like, just keep avoiding, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just really love how you are. There's a difference between mental health needs and mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. And I think where it comes in confusion is people just immediately associate mental health with mental illness and they're not, they're not one in the same. They're separate. Mm -hmm. And I love I love like making sure we distinguish that so that we can focus on the mental health needs so that it doesn't come. And a lot of times, if we're going to be honest, especially as athletes, a lot of times, if we don't take care of our mental health needs, it can in turn affect our physical well-being. Your stress can mess your body up. It can manifest in just different ways in your body. And then it can even affect your performance. I mean, we know that that's a huge thing is your, your mental performance affects your physical performance drastically. Yeah. 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 And I think that's so important. I mean, like one of my favorite, I think I mentioned this to you guys previously, but one of my like favorite books is body keeps the score. Yeah. It's so good um, by Vander Kolk. And it just, I mean, it goes pretty in depth into like trauma responses in the body but I mean it just is it's incredible what you said Stevie is so true like your stress we all carry our Mm. stress our anxiety our our fears it it does our body holds it like it holds it for us right Mm. and that's going to manifest in different ways and you can only you can only ignore it for so long or avoid it until it's going to cause an issue for you whether that issue you know leads to like a mental breakdown or some sort of mental struggle, um, or a physical one. Yeah. So yeah. it really, you're, yeah. I think like realizing that our bodies are so integrated, like mind, body, and spirit is so important Yeah. And that we yeah. all have mental health needs. And it's so important. I think where that goes next is like everyone's mental health needs are so different, right? Yeah. Like yeah. they're very individual. And so really we have to get curious about what are my individual mental health needs and how do I take care of mine, you know, versus, and not looking at like, oh, this is how this person does it. It's like, 
no, wow. like what are your needs and how can you take care of those? And maybe it does look different, you know, from yeah. athlete to athlete or person to person. Wow. What um, are some ways do you think, and we could just maybe go through it just super quick, but what are some ways that you've seen or is a common like um, way that people help? Like, so in this conversation where he, yeah. okay, so take care of your mental health needs. Well, how, how do I do that? What does that even mean? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. have any practices off the top of your head? Totally. Yeah. Well, I think like the first thing is what we just said, right? The perspective shift. Like we've got to shift our perspective that yeah. like mm. if I'm if I talk about mental health or if I pay attention to mental health, then that must mean there's something wrong with me. Right. Yeah. It's like, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You're a full, you're a full human. That's yeah. what's right with you is that you have a mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's shifting from that conventional perspective of like, what's wrong with you to that more trauma informed and like more resiliency informed perspective of like, what's going on, like what's going on here and what's, what's happened to you. That's kind of made you this way or like what's yeah. right with you, what's strong yeah. within you, you know, yeah. that's like a resiliency informed way of looking at mental health is like, actually, what are your strengths and like, what's right in you? And let's get curious about how to make those things stronger. Um, and then, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of like basic ways to tend to your mental health or to start. I think like, that's, what's really awesome. And the first thing is paying attention. So it's that like getting curious and paying attention when thoughts pop up, not just, I think, I can speak to this as like a former athlete and as an eight on the Enneagram, yeah. uh, as I yeah. think like my tendency when negative thoughts pop up or, um, or, you know, shame or like embarrassment or failure comes up. I just want to shove it down. Like, I just naturally want to push it down and keep going. Yeah. Like I can yeah. press through it. I can get over it. Yeah. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but really we got to start noticing and like slowing down, um, mm -hmm. and tuning in, right. Yeah. Like tuning in and getting curious about like, where does that thought come from? And yeah. like, how can I find, how can I find a space of self-compassion with myself to wow. say like, you know what, this is coming up cause you've gone through this or cause you overcame this mm -hmm. and like, it's just flaring up. Like yeah. it's, it's going to be okay. And like, we can we can get through this together, you know? Um, and then I think no, like the basics are like, if you want to check in on your mental health, some of the basic ways to do a small check-in is like, how's your sleep? How's your appetite? How's your focus? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because those three things, like when you're, when you're not taking care of your mental health needs, like those three things start to go, you know, yeah. um, they start to yeah. slip into like out of rhythm, you know? So I think checking in on your, your sleep, your appetite and your ability to focus really will just kind of be like, oh yeah, I'm doing pretty good in those areas or like, oh, maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm a little off like in one or two. And then again, leaning into that and getting curious. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So good. Yeah. I well, that. I mean, gosh, we could just end it right now, but this has been Awesome. Our series, you know, we're talking about healthy and unhealthy expectations. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, you know, you probably work with so many different clients, um, but expectations can definitely like if they're not managed well, mm -hmm. they can work for us, but they also can work against us. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think like 
in your practice and you know just from your experience like what are what are your thoughts on expectations yeah um I love this question and it, it definitely got me thinking like going out I was like oh what mm-hmm. are expectations yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it seems like such a um something that's hard to like define, right. Or Mm -hmm. put like language to, but really I feel like expectations are these beliefs or standards that we hold that are related to the roles that we play in life. Right. They're these expectations Mm -hmm. or standards that we hold related to the roles we play in life that have been created based off of our internal and external influences, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, their beliefs are standards that we just kind of like hold ourselves to. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they maybe look different, you know, in different roles that we've played yeah. throughout our life. But I do think that they're mostly developed um, in us over time or yeah. um, in different roles based off of internal and external influences. Yeah. No, that's a great answer. It's a really good answer yeah. because. <laughs> yeah because that gives us that that gives us a foundation to build off of okay now we know how they can become unhealthy or healthy you know yeah um you know that's the Mm -hmm. foundation if we define it as you know like what you said yeah um, it helps us to determine easier like am I being way out of the like am I going way out of the ballpark in this expectation on myself or am I like setting the bar way too low because mm-hmm. I don't want to fail myself. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. Yeah. I think that um, it's really easy for athletes um, to land on either side of the fence as far as expectations go. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe it was from a past traumatic event where they failed mm-hmm. something and they weren't like you didn't get that nurture or support or you ha- didn't have that um, ally to yeah. help you after that failure that took place. Right. And now you're like, failure is drastic. It is yeah. not good for me because no one was there for me when I failed yeah, well, to tell yeah. me I could be, I could still try again. Mm. Or, or, you know, um, there's the flip side to that. Yeah. Or maybe there's someone who only got praise when they were successful and didn't yes. get shown praise when they failed. So they felt like their worth was only in the success. Mm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I th- yeah. And I love, I love what you said Nick and Stevie that like there are healthy expectations right like mm-hmm. and there are unhealthy ones there's both and I think that's the thing like they are beliefs and standards related to the roles we play in life mm-hmm. and they're created over time you know based off of internal and external influences but some of those can be really good some yeah. of them yeah. can be really can healthy, be healthy and really helpful um, and then there is a place I think my biggest thing is like I see, I totally, we all create expectations because we, we want to be able to measure things, right? Yeah. Like we want, wow. I mean, it's, it's kind of natural to our human, our human mind and like the way we understand things is like, mm-hmm. we just want to be able to measure things and like wrap our heads around it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to track progress, especially as athletes. We want to be able to be like, yeah. okay, I'm improving or I'm, I'm not improving, you know, so I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I, for me, I think the way I kind of distinguish and try to help clients distinguish between unhealthy and healthy expectations is really to take a look at their core values. And like, are you, are these expectations in alignment with yeah. your core values as a person? Um, yeah. 
And I think that that, I mean, honestly, I don't in particular work with athletes in therapy right Mm -hmm. now. It's not my niche. We'll see. Maybe, (laughs) maybe it'll be somewhere (laughs) I'm going. We're going to send them all your way. All the It sounds fun to be honest. I'd be totally (laughs) down and open to it. Um, but like, I wonder what kind of foundation that could set for like an athlete, if they were in alignment and attuned to like their core values Mm. as an athlete, and then like set their expectations based off of that, obviously some performance, but even your performance expectations, I think can fall in line, um, with your core values. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, maybe, I mean, you're more of <laughs> the, uh, athlete Nick in sure. this situation. So I wonder how that lands for you. Well, I, you know, we, we talk about this, um, a common thing is like knowing your goal and being okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. which goes into like knowing your values and being okay with it because, yeah. you know, it's so easy to get, you know, your adrenaline is always kicking in mm-hmm. and, you know, like, it could be this performance or this training where like your adrenaline says more than what your values mm-hmm. mean at the time or your goal yeah. means at the time. Yeah. It, it, that's what, it's a common thing. Like mm-hmm. if I'm excited and I've just taken like pre-workout and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it's like, I love it. Oh my gosh, I didn't hit that last rep. And you're <laughs> oh like, gosh. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> your, your adrenaline can sometimes take the place of your goal or your values. And that's when you, and then when you come down off of that, like high of the Mm -hmm. event or the training and you're like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) I didn't, you know, you start to have those conversations with yourself. And that's, that's where I think you start to like kick yourself in the shin of Mm. like, oh, you know, I didn't hit my expectation I'm not feeling good about this right now like I don't know yeah yeah it sounds I kind of hear you saying that like that adrenaline can take over and it's easy to lose sight of like your focus like what is my focus for this event or what is my Mm. focus going out um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. exactly Yeah. yeah it will and that goes kind of into the next question that I wanted to ask you because I I thought about like if you were like, you know, we were in a session, you were my therapist and we were talking right now. Um, let's Don't just, charge us, please. Yeah, let's, just, let's just get real. Event, I got event you. Be fine. Um, uh, I thought about this question and it's totally opinion or practice, whatever you want to, you know, decide yeah. about it, but it was, um, is it ever good or okay to be critical about yourself, especially when it relates to athletics? Like, is it okay to be critical of your performance or your outcome? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I was fighting with yeah. that. Like, am I okay to be critical and critique myself? Mm. Like, how am I to treat myself? Um, you yeah. know, because you did say like, it's based on your values. Well, what if I didn't like, what if I didn't live up to my goal or my values? Mm. Because I was, I don't know, not focused or I don't know. I Yeah. Or yeah. a number of things that could come into totally. play. You're not feeling well. You stepped on a rock or <laughs> <wrong laughs> your ankle. You didn't yes, have nutrition yeah, and so you're cramping. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, I think it's a great question. I think, um, and I think, honestly, like you said, like there's probably multiple um, answers to this question. Yeah. And when I, what comes to mind for me initially is in therapy, we talk a lot about the inner critic. Um mm-hmm. And kind of like, 
we, we talk about it in a few different ways, like, cause there's different, um, theoretical approaches, you know? Sure. So one way of thinking about it is like the voice of the inner critic or, uh, maybe just negative, um, like negative core beliefs that you have about yourself mm-hmm. or even like that negative tape that just like keeps repeating. So yeah. I do think we all have it. I think we all have that inner critic. And I think it's how truthfully this is like in my practice with people, I think it's trying to approach that part of us, that inner critic. Um, and I kind of mentioned this previously, but like with curiosity um, mm-hmm. and with kindness, instead of with like shame or embarrassment. Um, so it's, it's kind of like starting this process of like befriending your inner critic and having self-compassion instead of just being like, like beating ourselves up, you know? And, um, so even, and I think as an athlete, I think, um, we want to get better. Like we want to improve. We want to win. Like, and I think all of that is okay. Like, I think that that is, like those are good goals and you want to challenge yourself. Right. And even in life, we want to grow. We don't want to stay stagnant. Yeah. Um, we want to see improvement or progress. Right. So I think it's okay. To, I was thinking like, it's okay to be constructively critical, yeah. like yeah. constructive criticism, right? Like mm-hmm. if it's going to bring growth, if it's going to bring progress in a healthy way, then that's okay. And I think for me, it would be an exchange of language. Like, so you're saying, is it okay to be critical? And I think I would almost rephrase it and say, like, is it okay to be curious about, you know, about these things? So Mm. about Mm. yourself and about like, maybe why you didn't hit your PR or maybe why you cramped up instead of being critical and saying like, dang, like, I messed up. Like what did, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. And like, why am I such a failure? It would be saying like, Hey, like why was my calf cramping? Like, what did I miss in my pre, you know, in my warm up or my stretching or in my pre-workout, you know, um, what was going on there instead Mm -hmm. of saying like, you, you really, you blew it. You know, (laughs) you like, I mean, I think that's the, well, that's normal. That's, that's, that's completely normal for people. Yeah. And it's a, it's a mindset shift. It really is a mindset shift and it takes practice just like it takes, you know, working out and training to be a strong athlete and a strong competitor. Um, the self-compassion mindset is not one that has been taught to us in day-to-day living or in culture or society, you know? Mm. So, and so the self-compassion mindset says like, how can I be curious about this instead of critical? Yeah. And you, you definitely drew a picture for me in your answer, because like I even talked in, in the last episode about how that critic, like, it's almost like after every race, like the critic, like opens the door to like, Mm -hmm. almost like come into this room. So I can just like, destroy you you know and I can I can get down on you it's almost like you're Mm. you're getting lectured from this like partner not even partner just this like bad figure in your life um um, and like what you said is like how instead of like them being your enemy like how can they be your um your friend how can you be yeah how can can you be friend how can you become a friend of that guy um, or a girl, whatever that representative figure is, the critic is like, 
I don't know that 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 definitely spoke to me because yeah like, instead of like oh here comes the here comes the person that's going to speak to me bad like yeah I want to be a friend with you and I want to work with you you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and usually you find oh I'm, maybe I'm wrong in this but um I feel like usually if you take time this sounds all sounds kind of woo-woo but if we can like <laughs> If we can give it some, uh, just wait and actually give it a chance. But if mm-hmm. we, if we befriend that inner, that inner critic and we get to know that inner critic, I feel like a lot of times we realize it's not actually there to beat us. It's trying to protect us. I feel like a lot of times, totally. um, yeah. but it's just, it's just doing it in, in the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. What do, you, do you feel like that's true? Yeah. I mean, I Could think maybe. I, this is, I'm just going to read this. This is like from another, this is another author I like, and it's a book called no bad parts. Oh, um, wow. and it's based off of the internal family systems mm. therapy model. Um, but it says additionally in internal family systems, when parts do take over, we don't shame them. Instead, we get curious and use that parts impulse or threat as a trailhead to find what is driving it that needs to be healed. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I know that it's kind of profound for, um, you know, for athletes or yeah. to like you were saying, Stevie, it seems a little woohoo or whatever, <laughs> but it is true. I think like that inner critic has a deeper seat, um, in our narrative, right. Yeah. As athletes, it's like, where did, when did that start? You know, yeah. when did that start happening? And, um, I think, you know, it's really normalized in sports culture to like mm-hmm. chew players out to try to push them forward. Right. Yeah, like that, yeah. that if we like, just like reel into athletes and like lay it on hard, then it's going to like make them better. You know, they're going to, mm-hmm. they're going to strengthen smart. up their yeah. yeah. Or something, you know, but I really don't think that that's true. I think that that mentality it's been disproved. I even remember watching this, um, this like Netflix show called hundred, I think it was called the 100 project or a hundred people. Mm-hmm. And they studied like giving people like positive, like reinforcement or positive encouragement after they made a mistake or like kind of chewing them out negatively and like giving them a really hard time and like negative, you know, criticism and the people, yeah, the people who got the positive and like the gentle encouragement, the support, the empathy after actually performed better the next time. And so it's just, it just is really proven and it's true. Um, but yeah, survival brain, kind of what you were talking about, Stevie, is that self-protection mode. um, is like, well, if I say it first to myself, if I, Mm. if I kind of beat myself up first, no one else can, you know, like I'm going to do it first so that like, I already know how bad I am. And I I already know that I like messed up. And so I can kind of hide behind that so that no one else can say it or see it. Um, You know, one thing I want to say, Katie is like to the listeners right now, I think that that's a, that's like a, Uh, I think that's a really important thing. And it's like a touch point. I think that people Mm -hmm. listening right now, um, that's, that's a hard place to be. Mm -hmm. Um, When you are, I'm going to, I'm going to speak to myself first so that no one else can hurt me more. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that self-compassion piece is going to be so critical 
um, to yeah. mental mental performance manifesting physically in what you do. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I just I just want to encourage the listeners right now that um, it's okay to have these tough moments. Yes. But we gotta we gotta have that self compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think you're totally right. It's a really hard place to be in. Like, I feel like we want it's like I was saying, it's that muscle, right? So it's like, yes. we get used to using that muscle of the inner critic mm-hmm. and leaning on the inner critic to push us forward, to make us better. Cause we, we, we get comfortable with that and that's what we get used to. So it really does take working that new muscle of self-compassion mm-hmm. and curiosity um, and, you know, kindness towards ourselves to be more empowered. Like the ultimate goal is that that wouldn't, I think a lot of athletes maybe will hear this and be like, oh, that's just like babying myself or, (laughs) you know, being a wuss, but it's like, no, really like it's taking care of yourself. It's like you're stepping in and you're kind of see like, here's the inner critic and you're stepping in and saying like, no, like I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to come at this from a different angle and I'm Mm going to be compassionate towards myself in this moment. Mm. And so it's actually, you know, it's not, you're not being a baby or weak. It's like actually an empowered way Mm. of approaching it and thinking at least from where I stand and the way Mm -hmm. I kind of see it. No, it's brilliant. It was good. Um, Why do you think uh, we as athletes, or it, it could be anywhere across the board, but especially athletes, why do you think we equate our identity or our worth with whatever our outcome or results are. So like if we've been super successful, that means we're X, Y, Z, or if we failed, that means we're X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, why do you think we do that? And, um, what would you say to the athlete in regards to that? Yeah. Um, okay. Why do we, you know, why do we equate our identity or worth to our outcome and results. I mean, I think we've touched on it a little bit, but that's the society like we live in. That's the mm-hmm. culture we live in, right? That it is our way of, that's how our society defines success is yeah. like yeah. moving up the ladder, right? Whether that's in athletics or in our careers or even like families trying to keep up, you know, the saying, keeping up with the Joneses. It's like, you know, depending on your background. And I think that matters too, like dependent, there's a lot of intersectionality that goes into this question of like, Mm. what was your social economic status growing up? Like, what was your race? What was your ethnicity? What was your gender? Like that all intersects um, in defining what success is to you. And then those intersections also create and define um, like what, your identity is. And so I think, I mean, I really think that we, you know, equate our identity and worth to these measurable moments or these pivotal moments or successful moments or failures, because we, that's like what we've been taught. It's what we've been taught. And I think everyone's narrative is a little different. Um, I recently actually just took like a, a workshop on anti-bias And so it was so mind blowing, just a little nugget. I think this will help paint the picture is like, I, we had to pick one of those intersections of our identity, like race, Mm -hmm. ethnicity, um, spirituality, 
um, or social economic status. And I picked social economic status thinking it would be like the light and easy one. And I grew up in a pretty like uh, middle-class family, middle of the road and um, two working parents. And they both worked full-time my whole life, kind of had heard them over and over say like, we just want to give you guys more than what we had growing Mm -hmm. up, you know, like we just want to give you better than what our parents were able to give us. And I just remember, you know, one of the questions in the little activity we did during this anti-bias workshop was like asking, like, what's one like narrative you've taken away, you know, from being in that group, right. That Mm -hmm. middle-class group that you've carried with you. And one of those was like emotional, like it really was emotional. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, that I need to push through Mm -hmm. like, and not pay attention to my emotions if it's going to get in the way of me like making progress or being successful Mm -hmm. like I need to shut that down and be able to push through it to like be productive be successful be you know and I think like that's huge I mean that like tapped into a whole narrative that I'm like oh my gosh like that's where that comes from it's and so I think as an athlete it really is like finding like what are those intersections that make you who you are, what have you been told is success? And like, what do you want? What do you want to define success as, you know, do you want to define it as like hitting that podium? And if you do great. And how can we set healthy expectations there that align with your core values now, maybe not what you were always taught or caught, you know? Um, Yeah. So it's a whole identity process, I think, and exploring yeah. those intersections and redefining maybe in some spaces where it's time to make a shift or make a change. No. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great response. That's- and being able to hold that, that shift, like you can be top of the podium and still hold it separately from your identity, or you can come in dead last and still hold it separately. Yes. Yeah. That work. Yeah. 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 I think that's a great point, Stevie. I think too, like you can be a competitor and you can be self-compassionate. Yeah. Like, you know, you can be both. Like yeah. you can win and still have self-compassion for yourself. You know, like holding the both and yeah. like you can be both. And I think really I would just say to like any athlete who's like in that hard place, like unconfident or feeling kind of worn down or, um, having some doubts, you know, that, I mean, the biggest thing I would say is like, reach out, reach out for support. I think it's really easy to get into an isolated mindset, like feeling lonely and feeling isolated that you're like the only athlete who doubts themselves or you're Mm -hmm. the only athlete, um, you know, struggling to perform. But I mean, I think it would be fair to say that every athlete has doubts and it feels like you need to keep those, you know, keep those hidden or not show those because you don't want to come across as weak or, um, or you're like, I got to stay in that. I got to stay positive. Got to stay positive, you know? Um, but I think really reaching out to like a coach or a teammate or a friend, um, someone who can remind you that like, actually like 
you've won this many races and like you will do it again like it's coming Mm -hmm. you're getting after it like you're consistent reminding you of who you are as an athlete and the ways you're showing up because it's really easy for us to be blinded Mm -hmm. um to that you know like it's hard for us to look in the mirror and to see the good things all the time and so it's really good to Mm -hmm. reach out and I think that could be a really powerful shift in athletic culture if it was normalized that like Hey, Mm -hmm. like I'm having a really hard time. And, um, yeah, I think I did that recently, to be honest. I was, as I was telling you and Nick mentioned, like I am running a half marathon in April and I'm training with two other friends and I just kept hitting this wall at four miles. Like I needed to run five the one week and I needed to run six Mm -hmm. the next week. And I just, I mentally like, like honestly, physically I was fine, but mentally something was holding me back. Like I just Mm -hmm. kept, I kept not being able to do it or to break through. And as soon as I reached out to both of those friends who are also training and just kind of like said, like, I keep hitting this wall, like what's going on? Like, are you guys making it to six miles? You know? And they told me whether they were, or they weren't. And then reminded me like, Hey, like, I mean, literally my one friend was like, do you think it's mental or physical? Like what's going on for you? Like, where is it coming from? And like, are your shoes like, okay. Like, you know, it just got me thinking like, Mm. oh, there's so much more that's going into this. Like, I'm not a failure. I'm not weak. Like there's so many components as to why I'm hitting this wall. And I'm so glad to have friends who are willing to like help me push through that wall. All that to say, I ran my six miles the other week and it felt amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it took that. It took that for me reaching out, you know, yeah. to be reminded that I can do it and that maybe there's some other factors getting in the way, you know? Yep. Yeah. So I think what I'm hearing too is that, you know, for, for those listening is we need to have that, that inner critic voice. Um, we need to become friends with that voice that's mm-hmm. on the inside. Yeah. We need to have that. So the internal voice, the external voice is the ally voice, the, mm. the yeah. people that you're bringing in, you know, we have the circles of trust or whatever. Yeah. Um, you can look it up on Google and type that in, <laughs> but it's like, circle yeah. of trust is like the inner, the outer and the very out, but like, who are those people in that inner place that you can share and not feel threatened or like, you know, whatever. And then I think that it's okay that if you need to reach out to someone beyond just a friend, more like a professional, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. specialist, totally. that you you are not a bad person to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so good that you see your therapist, that if you have an injury that's been affected, affecting your mental game, you go and see a physical therapist. Or yeah. like if you've been having eating disorders or you've mm-hmm. been eating, your body's been off because of how you're fueling yourself, like go totally. see a nutritionist, go do those things go do them, go do them, mm-hmm. go do them. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. do it. Like it's, yeah. it's okay. Like at woven athlete, we want to be that voice. Like mm-hmm. we, we don't, we may not know you listening right now, but if you yeah. were to reach out to us, we'll be a voice to yeah. you, mm-hmm. to encourage you, um, to resource you. That's why we're here. Yeah. So if you yeah. need, if you need any of those resources, we're here. Yeah. Totally. You know, let's normalize it. Let's normalize yeah. the mental stigma. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's what we're here for, you know? Definitely. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, it's, yeah, that's right. kind of the big takeaway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. I just feel like encouraging athletes, like, I think taking, I mean, it, it just would be amazing to see 
maybe Nick, you can be like a, <laughs> you could be like a guinea pig, but I feel like it'd be amazing to see if you tap into that mental aspect, if you commit to going to therapy for like a certain amount of time. And even if it is just to talk about your, you know, athletic experiences and see, mm-hmm. I mean, sports psychology really is growing. It's really becoming a huge field. And I think like, it would be really powerful to, you know, I haven't read a lot of research on it, but to see like how much increase in performance athletes would gain mm-hmm. if they yeah. are, you know, in that space where they're tending to their mental health needs. Yeah. Um, yeah we're here for it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I just feel we're- like that healing would bring like even more athletic, like, you know, achievement. I really, yeah. I really believe that it would set like their body free in new ways that yeah. it could achieve more than they ever thought, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, man. This is so good. Yeah. Well, Katie, that, um, from today, I, I feel super encouraged as an athlete listening to you share. Mm. Um, I know that, uh, this probably for some people may have like hit, you know, a hot spot yeah. in, their, in their mind. So, like if, if someone was listening to this and they want to like reach out to us and be like, Hey, who was yeah. that? Like, what would be the best way for someone to like contact you? Um, if it's like via social or website or email, yeah. like what? Yeah. Um, best way you can find me, um, is I am on social media at Katie dubs. So K A I T Y D U B S my last name's Wilson so for, for the dubs. Yeah. Cause you're, um, yes. yeah. And then, dubs. <laughs> yeah. All I do is win, win. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> um, but so you can find me there at Katie dubs and then email wise. Yeah. Um, Katie at grow good psychology.com. Um, and we'll leave that. Yeah. 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 That would be perfect. And yeah. Happy to connect with anyone and like, connect to resources and things like that too. Really people cool. f- are feeling like they need more support after hearing the conversation. Well, you guys, awesome. to those listening, you heard it from Katie, reach out to her, um, yeah. reach out to us. We're here to mm-hmm. champion the athlete's mental game before, yeah. during, and after their athletic performances and careers. Mm-hmm. So Katie, thanks again. Yeah, for of course. A part, a resource and a friend in this whole journey. Um, you yeah. can't wait to see more athletes perform better because of their mental game. So yeah, same. Yeah. Thanks for doing what you guys are doing.